Kennedy name is legendary, not just in the United States, but across the world. There are enduring conspiracy theories about who killed President John F. Kennedy in Dallas in 1963. Then his younger and equally photogenic brother Bobby, Robert F. Kennedy, or RFK, perhaps on his way also to the Democratic nomination for the presidency, was assassinated in 1968. And yet again, there are plenty of theories about whether the 24-year-old Palestinian gunman Sirhan Sahan was part of a wider conspiracy. All that brings us to RFK Jr., Bobby Kennedy's son, 14 years old when his father was killed, nine years old when his uncle was murdered. Now RFK Jr. is running for the presidency of the United States, following the family tradition as a Democrat. But wait, this Kennedy promotes conspiracy theories about vaccination, causing autism, about coronavirus and other frankly bizarre theories which seem to put him on the dark side of Donald Trump. What on earth is going on here? Well, I'm delighted to say I'm joined from New York by Molly Jong-Fast, a columnist on Vanity Fair and presenter of the excellent Fast Politics podcast and someone who's watched RFK Jr.'s peculiar political progress very closely. Hello, Molly, and welcome to The Bunker. Hi, Gavin. Thank you for having me. So who is he? I mean, I've given a little portrait of him. I understand he's also a lawyer, an environmentalist and an author. I mean, that sounds all quite respectable, really, doesn't it? I think that what is important to realize here is that since the pandemic, the right wing establishment in this country has worked really hard to undermine people's belief in science in doctors, in government, in vaccinations. And I would say that RFK Jr. is part of this kind of tapestry of anti-science rhetoric. Again, so I think it's important to realize some of RFK Jr.'s popularity, and again, at this point, it's impossible to quantify what is what, but in this country, you know, the Kennedy name, even though it's very diminished from what it was in the 60s, is still very, uh, you know, has a lot of reverberations. And so I do think that some of these early polling numbers where you're seeing him 20 percent of the Democratic primary voters like that, there's no world in which that's an accurate number. But I think, you know, RFK Jr. sounds like JFK. I mean, JFK you know, was an icon of this country. And and remember, America, I mean, this. you are a UK podcast, so you know this. We are a very young country. No royalty, right? No, you know, we don't have that kind of history. So we do have these political figures that are sort of, in a sense, our modern royalty. And that would be, the Kennedys would be very much in that category. Let me go back to the first thing you said, which is about this wider anti-science, essentially anti-experts kind of strand in American politics. That's the thing that puzzles me. I mean, we'll get on to RFK Jr. as a a face of that. But why is that? What what is there for the Republicans or the far right to attack scientists? Well, I want to start with we are a very stupid country. (laughs) And we have done a lot of very stupid things in just my short lifetime. Uh, that said, you guys have Brexit. So 
We're not going to cast dispersions here about who is dumber. For so long, you know, I grew up always spending a lot of time in Europe and thinking that you guys were so much smarter than we were. I now no longer think that. So uh, congratulations, <laughs> Nigel Farage. But I would say, I mean, I think there's two parts, right? There's the pandemic, which made everyone's brains melt. Right. And so some normal sane people became crazy from just staying in their houses and not, you know, and being quite scared and watching. You know, we lost a million people in this pandemic, probably more. But the first count was a million. OK, a million people. We're a country of 300 million plus, but still that is a lot of people, you know, and, and so I think that's part of it. But I also think and I, I think it's important to talk about this. I, I don't see that much reporting about this because I, it, to pull these two things together, but we are a world that is on the brink of a climate catastrophe. And the only way to avoid having to deal with that is anti-science, right? Is to just throw away science. So like uh, today, the air quality is bad in my city, New York City, and it's over a hundred, right? because of the fires burning in Canada, right? I'm 44 years old. I've never, ever, ever had a summer where you couldn't go outside because of the air quality, right? I mean, this is like, you know, sort of unprecedented stuff. Part of my country is seeing um, temperatures that we have never had before, right? You know, we have malaria for the first time. So there is a really scary thing that's happening in our world that can be explained by science. This runs contrary to almost all of the beliefs of the Republican Party. So you could see where anti-science rhetoric would be super helpful if you're trying to deny a really scary scientific thing that's happening. And RFK Jr. is a Democrat, or at least he says he's a Democrat. And people have said, why are you a Democrat? Because you sound like a far-right Republican. And he says, I'm a Democrat because I'm a Democrat. You, you, I don't know how you can explain that, but I'll, I'll give you a chance <laughs> okay. anyway. Okay, so the early champions of RFK Jr. are people like Steve Bannon, not a Democrat. David Sachs, who's a DeSantis, who's a wealthy you may not know who he is because why would you? He's a wealthy venture capitalist tech bro who was the COO of PayPal, who's a Republican, but very big. So he's been largely pumped up by Republicans. Uh, he says he's a Democrat. Uh, he wants to seal the southern border. I don't know how that works. Uh, tends not to be a Democratic value to uh keep all Mexicans out, by the way, not that everyone coming through the southern border is Mexican. In fact, it's a wide range of people from a wide range of countries. He espouses a lot of non-democratic views, including he's just an absolute abject moron. But he considers himself to be a Democrat. I, again, I think that ultimately what is happening here, if you're going to pull back and look at just the politics of it, is that it seems very likely that Donald Trump is going to be the, the Republican nominee. Mm. And he's been indicted twice. And there's probably a third indictment coming. He's been impeached twice. Uh, he led an armed insurrection in the Capitol. And this guy is not a great candidate. <laughs> I mean, among other things. So I think Republicans are a little nervous because they have this candidate who they know is you're not growing the elect. Every time you get impeached, you don't grow the electorate. Right. So I think they're pretty worried. And so a guy like Steve Bannon, who is just vote counting in his head. And again, I don't want to say anything nice about Steve Bannon, but he's quite smart. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's an 
animal, but he's a killer. So he's thinking to himself, how do we get our guy to win? And he's thinking, we got to get someone to pull away left-leaning independence. And what the anti-vax movement in this country, in my country, is, is yoga moms who are not very smart and far-right people who are not very smart. And, you know, it is horseshoe theory. You know, these people are furious with science and furious with vaccines and furious with and they and they're really one issue voters right because i mean if you get rfk jr going which i suggest you don't because it's mind-numbing but he does you know he has a few other views he was for i mean yesterday he came out for affirmative action and all of his fake Republican followers were furious. I mean, I don't know, you know, these Republicans are just desperately trying to grow their electorate or take away from Biden. You know, when you talk about him, he sounds like Connor Roy, you know, the weird, stupid brother in succession. Yeah. Is, is, is is there a bit of that? You know, the guy who got, you know, 0.01% he thought, and it was likely to become president of the United States. It's a hopeless cause, isn't it, for him personally? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. He'll never get elected, but maybe he'll make Trump president. And and a lot of his supporters don't want him to get elected. I don't think there's a world in which Steve Bannon wants RFK Jr. as president. I don't think there's a world in which David Sachs, you know, would take off his Montclair hat for RFK Jr. I, this is not about RFK presidency. This is about a Biden spoiler. And I think that is really an important thing to realize here. I want to just pull back for a second and talk about sort of historically in the last 20 years. If you ask Americans every time you you poll this question, like, are you satisfied with the two choices? They always say no. Right. Huge swaths of the American electorate always say no. You know, if you look at the Obama versus John McCain polling, 60 percent said both candidates suck. Obama was like this incredible polymath, genius, once in a lifetime politician. John McCain, war hero, principled Republican. Two of the really the best candidates we in American electoral politics have ever had. And people hated them both. So I think the idea here that people are unsatisfied with the two-party system, and look, there are a lot of problems with the two-party system. I'm not, you know, I I live in New York State, which is a blue state that is incredibly fucked up. And every, you know, we have a terrible mayor, we have a really problematic governor. But I do think what you're seeing here is really an electorate that is, you know, this is what Americans do. That's so interesting because, I mean, we can come back to RFK Jr. in a moment, but you're suggesting it's not about them. It's not about the politicians, actually. It's about us, the voters. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking your point about Brexit in our country. I'm not yeah. trying to say I'm how sorry. superior sorry. we are. We had, we had a, a leading I, and very intelligent politician saying we've had it. enough of yeah. experts. Yeah, you know, right. so we're, we, we've had yeah. enough of experts apparently. Now you, yeah, <laughs> you go to hospital with cancer, you probably want to see an expert. Is my view. Yeah, but why is that? And it seems, you know, we've got it, but you've got it perhaps slightly worse, if anything, in this case. What is it that attracts people to politicians who say things which are obviously daft? I mean, crazy, just wrong. I think part of our problem as Americans, which I think you guys have too, is that we tend to vote for candidates we like, who are charismatic, who we want to have a beer with. Historically, 
those can I mean, we elected Reagan twice, right? People loved Reagan. Reagan was, first of all, an abject moron, but also he was quite liberal in certain ways. Like he ended no fault divorces, you know? I mean, so he was very much a product of Hollywood in the seventies and sixties. So I do think that Americans don't necessarily vote ideologically as much as they vote in their gestalt, in their, you know, their humanity and their sort of connectedness to the candidate. And, you know, we have seen it on the democratic side too. I mean, Obama was this transformative candidate. You heard him speak and you thought, I'm going to vote for this guy, you know, and and Bill Clinton, too. I mean, you heard him speak and you thought, you know, well, this, you know, and then he he did a lot of very conservative things that weren't so democratic, you know. So I do think we tend in this country to vote with our hearts in a way that I mean, that's a little bit generous, right, because nobody voted with their heart for Trump. But I do think people found him. They they appreciated him in a strange way. I also think with Trump, and I think this is true of RFK Jr., you cannot underestimate the amount in which fame has played a role here. We are a country that watches a lot of television, that is, you know, is very susceptible. People saw Trump and The Apprentice. They thought he was a competent businessman or they had seen that. And so they believed that. And I think that cannot be understated. What struck me about Trump was an old quote from George W. Bush, where he said, I'm the decider, I decide. And you right. saw in Trump the decider who came into your living rooms and seemed to be deciding things about business and so on. So he seemed competent. So it's a question of cutting through. And maybe that's why RFK Jr., to go back to your initial point, he cuts through not because of what he does, but because of the Kennedy name. Um, I would I would caution you on cutting through because it's not clear to me. You know, I, I, there was just some recent polling out this week that the more people get to know him, the less they like him. Right. I mean, look, the reason he's anywhere is because he's a Nepo baby. I say this as a Nepo baby myself. I, I would never cast dispersions on the business. But I do think that, um, you know, there's there's recognition, right, because people remember RFK and remember JFK. But I'm a little bit hesitant to consider him as really – a person who will cut through the noise, if that makes sense. Can I take up one specific point? He's written a book yes. about Anthony Fauci, hasn't he? <laughs> yes. For those who don't know, uh, he was the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He was the chief medical advisor to President Biden from 2021 to 2022. So he was Mr. Scientist and also talking to about Donald coronavirus. Trump. And to Donald Trump, too. Right. So why is Fauci such a sort of uh, figure that some people love to hate? Why is that? First of all, if I haven't said this already, I think it's important to say this. RFK Jr. is a one-note, one-trick pony, right? His thing is anti-vax. I mean, he has other theories that he's put together more recently, but his real thing is anti-vax, right? And his real thing is that vaccines cause autism, which has been just disproven again and again and again. And he started with this idea that there was mercury in the vaccines. And of course, the mercury is, is you know, almost none. And then and the, you get more mercury from drinking tap, you know, the, so that was debunked. And then they took out the mercury in 2003. And he said, well, not it's not the mercury, it's the that they give the shots to 
too much together and then they spaced them out and that didn't, you know. So, I mean, RFK Jr. will forever be sort of changing the, you know, his basic thesis is that um, vaccines cause autism, which they don't. So I think his whole thing is attacking experts, attacking scientists, attacking Fauci. Since Fauci's retired, they've gone on to target my friend, Dr. Peter Hotez of uh, Houston Children's Hospital. Peter Hotez has spent his life working on uh, vaccines for poor children that can be low-cost vaccines for the developing world. I mean, hard to think of a person who does not deserve ire more than Dr. Peter Hotez. But, you know, they target these doctors because they want to silence them. And I think what's really disappointing, and I I don't know if RFK Jr. is just too stupid to know this, but because he has worked on the part of you know, on climate change. And he is actually an advocate for not destroying our rivers and lakes, et cetera. But um, this anti-science vaccine stuff, Republicans are pushing this because they are getting ready for anti-science climate stuff. Like this is really a thoughtful push against you know, because we are this country with all of this fossil fuels, that we are a country where we're going to have to, and and we're a world where if we don't deal with climate change, we can see it's a hot, I mean, every summer is the hottest summer. So uh, we're going to, we're going to have real problems. That is a, re- I was going to ask you about that. Essentially, what's in it for Republicans? <laughs> I mean, we, we can, we can look at the, you know, you said 20%, but it will obviously not be 20%. He won't get that support. But what right. is in the argument for Republicans to be anti-science? Because like you, I met John McCain. I was based in Washington for many years. Uh, I met a number of Republicans, uh, including George H.W. Bush and others. They were not anti-science. They were not stupid. You could disagree with them, but they had a hint land, they knew about stuff. So what has changed within the Republican Party to make them like this? Well, I mean, I think the larger issue with Donald Trump is that the Republicans have touched the third rail, right? They have gone for the voters that were too disgusting, right? The people where they pretended they didn't want them, you know, the voters that Nixon had gone for, but pretended to not, right? Trump took those voters, right? He refused to disavow the KKK. You know, he really did say like, those voters who were too racist or too disgusting, Trump welcomed them with open arms. So I think there's a paradigm shift in the Republican Party of no longer pretending to be rational. And that and that's Trumpism, right? So you no longer have, you know, there was always a push in the Republican Party where you would have people like McCain, where they would say, you know, I mean, the thing I think of always is the woman who said, you know, Obama's a Muslim and McCain said, no, we disagree with a lot of stuff, but he's not a Muslim. Again, by the way, what would matter if he was a Muslim? But OK. But I mean, even if it was obscured by tax cuts and a lot of terrible legislation, there was a feeling that these people did, in fact, in some way, have uh, a moral core that is gone. How is the media handling RFK? Obviously, it's a very vast, vast subject. But uh, do they debunk him? Do we? Is it simply left, right? Do Fox say, you know, this guy's a hero because he believes in this kind of stuff? What, what, what's the kind of pattern across the United States? Do you think? I think that the failing with the mainstream media is that they treat RFK like a real candidate, mm-hmm. and he's not a real candidate, right? He's not a governor. He's not a senator. He's not a mayor. He has no elected job. He's a sort of 
fantasy of right-wing podcasters. So should he be treated, he should be treated like a Marianne Williamson. He should be treated like some other nutter who's come in to make trouble versus someone who is like a real candidate. So that I would say is the number one sort of failing on the part of the mainstream media is he's not a real candidate. How are the Biden people taking this? I mean, are they just sort of looking on? It's a long way to go before a presidential election. So this could be something that we talk about this summer and he just sort of disappears again, like Conor Roy in succession. It doesn't go right. anywhere. So what, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, are the Biden people worried? Because maybe if it's just 5%, 10%, it could eat into his chances of re-election. I mean, if we're just going to look at Biden historically since... 2019, he lost the first two primaries and he still won, right? I mean, he has just at every stage been underestimated. Even I was told that the midterms were going to be a red wave. They were not. You know, at every point by people have been like, he's not up to it. He's not going to be able to do it. It's not going to work for him. I mean, I wrote an article for the Washington Post about how Biden should not be the front runner because he he didn't win the first two primaries. So I am I caution anyone to count this guy out, you know, and I think a lot about Tony Ivers, the governor in Wisconsin, who was just a boring white guy. Like he got one reelection by four points in a complete in Wisconsin, which is like the most tight electorate. So that's why I kind of feel like is Biden world freaking out? I don't think they're freaking out, but I think that Democrats tend to freak out about everything anyway. Right. I think if they were confident, that would be a bit strange. But I mean, if history is any precedent, I think Biden will overperform, but it may not be. Well, maybe I should uh, end because uh, I'm a big fan of most of the United States, not all of it, like you. Uh, I can see some of the, the big problems you face. But Winston Churchill's supposed to have said, the American people always do the right thing, usually having exhausted every other alternative. So maybe, maybe science, knowledge, creativity, culture, all the things you're good at, rather than conspiracies, will, will win out in the end. Yeah, I mean, certainly that's the, the hope. And you think the hope is? <laughs> I mean, do I don't know what's going to happen. The one thing I've learned in punditry school is that whenever you try to predict the future, you're always wrong. So I'm not going to touch that. But yeah, I mean, certainly I, I think the hope is that they do the right thing. Molly, we're going to end with that qualified hope from both of us. Thank you very much. And listeners, if you enjoy this podcast, you can back us on Patreon so we can keep making them. There's a link in the show notes or just search for Bunker Patreon Podcast. Thanks again, Molly. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Bunker USA was written and presented by Gavin Esler. The producer was Chris Jones, with audio production by me, Simon Williams. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. The group editor is Andrew Harrison. With music by Kenny Dickinson and artwork by James Parrott, the Bunker USA is a Podmasters production. <laughs>